All right. Okay, welcome to Jeremy's Iron. It is a scientific podcast exploring the bullshit of the wellness industry. It's a, a conversation between a doctor and a statistician with me, Justin Zeltzer. And me, Justin Bobbin. I'm glad we have someone who can join us in our anagram game. We take proper names and rearrange the letters to form a description of that person. Like, uh, Alec What is happening? Episode one. What's going on? Today, we will be talking about whether flossing can improve impotence issues. <laughs> Wait, let, let me just confirm. Flossing one's teeth, right? It's flossing not, one's okay. teeth. <laughs> Good. Teeth. Teeth. Teeths. But uh, this, uh, the, I guess, um, the impulse for us to start with this is that we have a, a friend who is a dentist. Mm-hmm. And who has been posting a lot of stuff on his little um, social media profiles. It's got us a little hot under the collar. It, it has. This particular right? one got me hot under the collar. I thought there's no way that there could be. There's reeks of, of, of new age. It does. Pseudoscience bullshit. Yeah, it does. Um, so we're going to apply our combined skills of research, mm-hmm. common sense, medical acumen. Yep. And see, uh, see how much water this holds, right? Yeah. So we'll do that in the second half of the show. But yep. but uh, first half, uh, you the first got half. Let's. Well, I, I got a little thing I want to talk about first. But let's in, let's have a little uh, quick little introduction. Okay. Maybe. What are you sure. Like? Yeah. Um. What's your deal? Who are you? Me. Um. I'm I'm Justin Bobbin. J Bo. J Bob. I'm a. You can't, you can't nickname yourself, by the way. <laughs> That's up to me. You just call yourself Justin. Well, Bob no, those were already bestowed upon me. Yeah, I'm just, just telling a, people just, what they call it me. It sounds tacky, my friend. <laughs> it's in poor taste. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I am a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, open disclosure. I'm a orthopedic surgeon, bones. Right. But um, to make up for that, I'm also a um, a basic medical scientist with a PhD in. Um, and I guess bone cell biology. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my background. Right. So that's that's where research and medicine all kind of uh, kind of intersect for me. Exactly. And for you? Well, for me, I'm a biostatistician. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have training in the dark arts of medical research, <laughs> and by dark, I mean the statistical. It is, yeah, it is witchcraft. <laughs> and I think we'll, we'll be yeah. uh, we'll be talking at length over the course of this series about the black art of <laughs> of stats. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The 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 raw ability of stats to pull the wool over everyone's eyes. That's uh, you know, the yeah, as a statistician, yeah. that's what you learn how to do, <laughs> how to do right? I think so. That's yeah. that's that's what we use them for. Um, but we figure that with our combined uh, backgrounds, we have I don't know some standing to investigate the bullshit. Uh, well, we've we've developed our own bullshit meters, and we're going to apply that to yeah the claims of the wellness industry. Those that are. And we're probably about on social be media. shown to be the fools. <laughs> I hope <laughs> at so. Times. I hope so because yeah. I, f- I feel like you know we have a healthy points. dose of skepticism. Yeah, um, and we're not always right. No, nope, no, we're not. 
Anyway. So, that, so hopefully we'll, we will learn a few things, but um, we also hope to uncover... Well, we predict we're going to be uncovering a whole lot of bullshit from... I think so. ...people that eat yeah. too much uh, organic granola. I think we're pretty sensitive to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, you want to talk about something? Well... Something that's bothering you, something guess, important. Well, not, well, guess what I ate yesterday? Peanut butter. No, where? Where? Whereabouts oh. in, in this great where, town of where, Sydney, where, Australia, where, where, where we're recording Where did you have this, this peanut butter? I don't know. Well, I had... I eat peanut butter a lot, but this was a, a non-peanut butter <laughs> engagement. Uh, this was a, a rare the, the deviation from your from your peanut butter diet. I couldn't fit peanut butter into it, but I, I had some pho, some uh, Vietnamese beef noodle soup, um, and I had it at Pho An, which is in Bankstown in Sydney. Dude, which is I know Pho An so well. Open disclosure, <laughs> again. You don't need these disclaimers. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'm sorry. I'll be just be uh, prefacing facts with open disclosure <laughs> for the whole series. <laughs> it's a very medical, like, sort of scientific researcher thing to do. Yeah. Always, uh, always state your disclosures, right? <laughs> yeah. What are you disclosing on my fur? <laughs> well, that you know, I used to work at a hospital around the corner from Fern. Mm-hmm. For many, many years, off and on for probably 10 years. Right. And so I know that place. Like, I've been to France so many times. Mm. It's incredible. Uh, I'm glad you said that because my, my observation so my observation about fur is that, okay, you, you can get a pretty average fur. I, I can totally get that. But sure. at a certain point, they're all the same. All the furs sound can taste I tell you the something? same. <laughs> Open disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the worst meal I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah, was a pho. Okay, like one of those gotta spit it out. But there's people in front of me who <laughs> made it for me. <laughs> like worst dining experiences ever was on a pho. That's good. I like how this is my anecdote. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Thanks, it's right. a conversation. Oh, I see. I it's see a how this works. We're, we're allowed to. Sh- you can't. You can't own a story. I'm not gonna own fur. That's for sure. Okay. But I, I, I I'm I'm sick of people ranking places like this. No, this is definitely the best fur place in town. No, 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 no. It's not Foan. It, it's PhD in Marrickville, or it's you know. Well, Foan's better than PhD. Well, exactly. I'm sick of that <laughs> shit. They're all great. They're all great Vietnamese establishments that serve great noodle soup. So I don't know. How, I'm guessing I know how you feel about that. But um, uh, yeah. Well, look, like all things, whether you're ranking movies or music. Or Vietnamese noodle soups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that there is some degree of objective ranking that's possible, mm. um, but within that reasonably objective ranking, there is some sort of a a uh, a fluid subjective order, right? <laughs> so there there be there is some modification that is subjective based on where you what you prioritize. Like, are you are you a broth man? Are you is it about the quality of the meat? Like, do you like do you like a, do you like, like a do you like a raw yeah. beef food? Did it not come raw enough? Uh. Do they overcook their raw beef? Like that, you lose points, right? That's but right. It could I on average still be a really really good food if it's all made up for it. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm definitely a broth it, man, by the way. You're a broth. Well, I think oh, yeah. Fuen does a pretty clean broth. Look, the broth was great, but I, I, there's no way I'm. I've been there hundreds of times. Sure, but can, would you be... Actually, on that note, I heard someone say today, on a similar note, say, I've done something dozens, if not h- hundreds of times. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, there is a okay. huge difference in dozens. Dozens is like what? Up to 36? Yeah. <laughs> hundreds is over 200. <laughs> so you don't know if you've done it 
less than 36 or more than 200 times. There is like that is a wide confidence uh, interval. Let me tell you about that. There's 164 instances that might be like just I don't know. Uh, it I could can be see, 600. It could be 20. I, I can see <laughs> hints of us overanalyzing to death any uh, even you know baseline. And yeah. <laughs> but so, that was just today, and that's I was good. like, "Are you nuts? You've undermined your entire story." I don't know what you're talking about. Look, it was a fantastic foe, and I would definitely go back for it. What'd but you I, get? I, I got the I got the combination first, so That's I had the I tripe get. and large the, or small or larger regular. I got the regular because I'm a I'm a save the buck fifty. Well, not to save a buck fifty to save the 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 wasted food that would eventuate if I wasn't gonna. I'm not taking that home with me. And never wasted bag. a large. Tell you that. I believe you. You was you was good there as well. The chicken. Well, I'll have to go back it's and have dark horse. the chicken, which is probably just as good as every other it's chicken foe I've had in my life from Great. Better. I just I can't I can't have that. It's I can't better. Believe it. It's really good. Are you also that place other, makes so much money. Are you also of the the same kind of school that ranks sort of burgers and that kind of thing? Like, I'm not are you really the a burger guy? But this pizza, burger place is the greatest burger uh, place. Uh, in pizza, history. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm always looking for newer and better pizza. Name your top three pizza places in Sydney. In I order. Feel as though. The pizza scene has changed a bit, and also I rank. You know, pizza is not easy. There's a lot of factors in pizza. You know, there's there's atmosphere, there's the people. Um, the best pizza I've had recently. I had a really good one at Society Pizza in Potts Point. Yeah, this, this really is really good. This is great. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> all right, we're gonna this stop is, that. Okay, all right, you, this you, is fantastic. You derailed us. Um, um, this is going to happen. I think listeners, long-time listeners know that we tend to get derailed easily, yeah. but we'll always try and ride ourselves before it gets uh, a little boring. Well, look, I, I, I'm picturing people um, and, trying to and find... And I'm not going to give away all my all my gold pizza recommendations. No, we'll, we'll keep that under wraps. That can be for the yeah, subscribers you only. <laughs> you <always laughs> That'll had, be the AMA That's subscriber section. content. Uh, but I can see people, you know, after after this, you know, 250 episodes in, yeah. uh, we'll be looking back for the first episode to see where it all began. Yeah. And uh, gee, they had some. Uh, they needed to really develop that repartee, didn't they? From the pizza. <laughs> yeah. Yep. This is where it began. <laughs> you really want to get it off your chest? <laughs> no, no, I did. I'm glad we got into that. Okay, so uh, before we do get into uh, the the meat mm. of this particular episode, which is looking at uh, flossing and erectile dysfunction, mm-hmm. um, I think we need to have a word from one of our sponsors. Because as as a podcast of note, as we are, episode one, notwithstanding. Uh, and, you know, we need to make a little green from this activity, you know? And, we need, we need but, you know, none of us, we don't like to shoehorn things in, right? No, we don't. No, we don't. And, you know, this is a podcast about science and evidence. And the evidence is in that a good sleep... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can can improve. Well, firstly, uh, I bet you it can improve erectile dysfunction. <laughs> but in general, I'm sure it improves performance. Is that right? Absolutely. So, how does one get this well, great I'm sleep? Glad you asked. Most studies suggest that a good mattress can give you a good sleep, like the one made by our friends over at Casper. <laughs> Casper mattresses yeah. mm. come in two densities. To please your spine <laughs> and mine, uh, I like a firm mattress. Yeah. Jez, you like them soft. I do like them soft. 
<laughs> you there, there, there's no correlation between firmness of mattress and firmness of erectile. <laughs> no, there is not. Thankfully, um, so soft in I, the bed. Hot, uh, wait, that's never that's never working well for me. Is it? <laughs> I use a Casper mattress, and I love it. Yep. And uh, I hope our listeners give it a shot. And if they call in right now using promo code promo code. Iron. Iron <laughs> 5. <laughs> They'll be eligible for $50 off their first purchase of mm. a Casper mattress. Remember, you get 100 nights to try it or your money back. That's a good deal. Now, are you going to uh, tell our listeners about the scam you pulled on Casper <laughs> 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 to get a free bed for 99 <laughs> nights? <laughs> yeah, so... Don't forget that that great deal there <laughs> because it means you could just return it after 100 nights. So I don't think Casper will mind me telling you this. <laughs> They're basically offering you a free 100-night bed rental. That's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And when you're done with them, you can move on to the next company. <laughs> do the same thing. And moving on to the next company is what we're going to have to do for the next show because I don't think Casper is going to be... Hold on to us. No, <laughs> I don't think that's what they had in mind. No. But we'll take the money and run. And uh, we'll be back after this musical interlude for uh, our investigation. For a, for a hard look at soft penises. Okay, do you want to set this up for us, or I don't mind, I'm happy to... Sure, to well, um, so our friend has uh, suggested, Yep. No, he's a dentist, so he sees things through a sort of a, a, a dental lattice. Mm-hmm. Through a gauze, a dental gauze, perhaps. <laughs> sure. Um, he suggests that, um, based on some research that's out there, um, improving your oral hygiene yep. can improve um, impotence. Right? Improve impotence? Reduce well, impotence. What was it? Reduce, <laughs> reduce the incidence. My impotence is great right now. <laughs> yeah. so reduce the, the incidence of yeah. impotence. Got it. Um, yeah. I'm right. with you. So, uh, we thought we'd have a little look. This sounds like bullshit to me. Yeah. Right? So, now, firstly, question for you. Yeah. Would you call research into impotence uh, a soft science? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Puns like that. Uh, look, this this is why the this is why we do this. Twelve years of your study that got you <laughs> to being a practicing surgeon. Uh, it's and all been so, worth and it. Scientist. With that. Yeah, and scientist. And scientist. <laughs> How much money has gone into into your education? <laughs> Quite a lot. So I'm glad it's all. I think it's actually pretty cheap. To be honest, bargain. Oh yeah. yeah. In Australia, very reasonable. Very reasonable. When you yeah, well, I guess we'll apportion that that funding across all the puns you'll make throughout this podcast, and it might end up being you know a good couple of thousand bucks per pun so that's good maybe continue so um yeah so we thought we would have a little look into this and see what the data shows yeah because it sounds like bullshit doesn't it It sounds sounds like bullshit now our friend didn't cite 
any sources. None, but that's par for the course. Par for the course. But um, that's sort of rule number one. I think if you're going to discuss science, it's good to, even if it's a shitty paper, I think you should probably mention it. Yeah. Um, now, now. So, it's, so that's a red flag to me. You sure. Right? But that's okay. So we did a, we did a, um, well, just did a PubMed search and I did a Google Scholar search. True. But, but even before that. Yeah. Before that. I had, a, I had a bit of a feeling that to me, reading, reading something like, like how there's an association between gum issues, well, flossing and erectile dysfunction. For me, it looks like there, there's this, an intermediating, an intermediating veg, uh, vegetable, <laughs> <laughs> intermediating uh, variable, um, just like general health that might be affecting, correlated with both of those two, right? Like yes. if you're a generally healthier person, well, you're going to have yeah. better gums and you're yeah. also going to have, sure. um, you're going to floss more presumably, and you're also going to have better erectile health because maybe you have just better health generally. And to me, it just seems so obvious that this was going to be a huge problem that would not be able to be teased out in any studies. Um, and this is before having a look at some of the studies. So, uh, I'll, do, do you want me to give you a rundown of the first one I had a look at? Please do. Okay, so this one is called, Is There a Relationship Between Chronic Perion- Periodontitis and Erectile Dysfunction? So, peri, from the Greek... Meaning sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> and Dantus from the Latin Donald. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of Donalds in yeah. so my Latin textbook. Don- that's right. It was like Caecilius, <laughs> Metella, Don- Donald. Donald sauce. It's got it. Donald est in culina. Yep. Uh, no, so this one is from the Journal of Sexual Medicine from 2014. And so basically, there is uh, 82, what is it? Uh, 80 male patients with erectile dysfunction, 82 male patients without erectile dysfunction. And they were comparing the rates of peri- periodontitis uh, between those two groups, mm-hmm. right? And they're basically saying that the ones with erectile dysfunction had heaps worth teeth than the ones without erectile dysfunction, sure. right? And um, they do now. Now this is this is a bit of a lesson for people that haven't done, haven't, you know, uh, seen much of medical research or statistical methods and that kind of thing. But um, as I, I guess, highlighted at the beginning, that you need to do some kind of statistical magic. Mm-hmm. We call it modelling mm-hmm. uh, to alleviate the problem. I call it witchcraft. Well, to alleviate the problem of this thing called confounding, right? Where you've got general health which might be affecting both of these two factors. So, sure, there might be a relationship between um, someone's dental health and someone's erectile functionality, mm-hmm. but... Does it, it flow downstream? It could just be general health pulling both yeah. of the strings, right? Yeah. So, what this particular paper... And let's pause there for a second. Yeah. Because this is an issue, I think, that comes up a lot, not just in medicine, but in, in life. Right. Humans, I think, and we'll discuss this probably at length over the course of this series... Humans are very good at finding patterns in things, right? Sure. I think this is a common route for a lot of issues that humans find. This is what evolved to allow us to spot lions in the wild, see tigers through trees, play um, Tetris for like play Tetris for a four hour straight, right? We are incredibly adept at seeing patterns and often finding patterns where they don't exist. Um, And we also tend to draw a link between cause and effect. It's usually the easiest way to kind of connect the dots between between patterns, right? Mm. Um, and so it's very easy to see one thing and to see something else downstream of that thing and assume that one caused the other. Right. 
Uh, and so what you're talking about now is how do we work out if, if you see two things in someone or in a population, how do you work out which one came first? Mm. Or is there a third variable which caused both? Well, that's that's, exa- that's what we're getting at, right? Yeah, that's hundred yeah. percent correct. Yeah. So, continue. Yeah, right. So, in in this particular example, they they tried to account for this mm-hmm. by taking out patients. So, so they had a bigger sample, and then they took out patients that had uh, that were smoking, for example. So, smoking. Big uh, one. They got. They took them out. Let's see. I'll see if we can find it. Hold on. Um, Okay, one second. Yeah, so we know that when it comes to um, erectile dysfunction, impotence, it's not a total mystery. I mean, we know what things, can, what the risk factors are, right? We know that if you have, if you smoke, if you've got diabetes, if you've got heart disease, all of those things will um, will increase your chances of having erectile dysfunction. I think the way that tends to work is that all those things are implicated in what we call microvascular disease. So if something's bad for your heart and your big blood vessels, they're usually pretty bad if your small vessels too. So mm. you have you know tiny little blood vessels that go down your fingertips, the tip of your penis, the whole thing, right? And if if those can get blocked off with you know atherosclerosis or other problems you can have in your in your um, in your blood circulation, um, you can't you can't get a an erection, right? If you can't get blood down there, right? So, so, so all basically, the, all the common risk factors sort of have in common this idea that they are affecting your circulation. Well, you're opening the door for this this theory being true about the uh, flossing actually affecting mm-hmm. your erectile functionality, right? Because sure. basically blood that's being directed to your gums no longer needs to go there and can... Is, am, I, am I getting the understanding right? No, 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 no. no. That's the... If you consider the the pool of blood that you <laughs> yeah, have, I was thinking that. I think that you, the the amount of blood, even the most <laughs> gingivitic <laughs> of mouths, is, is not. I, t- I no. don't think it's going to cause a sufficient like blood sink. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to walk. You'd probably like fall over. You didn't brush your teeth in the morning. Yeah, you can see who's the statistician and who's yeah. the actual doctor. And this is why we're both here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So here, the criteria for exclusion from this study was uh, the presence of systematic of systemic disease such as diabetes, heart disease, hypertension. Right. So this is one way to control. That's right. the word you use for it, right? So one way to say, okay, we're going to try and tease out um, things we know already cause erectile dysfunction. Yeah. So hopefully whatever's left is a new cause. That's right. So if we know that... But but potentially these are very blunt (laughs) instruments because you're taking out people that have got diabetes, heart disease, hypertension. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also take out people that were smoking, which is... To me, a very important thing. I think that's the biggest risk factor. Yeah. but but for me, still, there's a, there's a, an existence of a problem which is this general health which you can't really adjust for, mm-hmm. right? Like someone who just exercises fractionally more might mm-hmm. have more oxygenated blood that might improve their dental health and improve their sure. You know, and, and, yeah. and you can't in the way they've done it adjust for that fractional improvement in general cardiovascular. What do you call it? Cardiovascular health? No, just the the process of getting the blood around the joint. You could call it that. You could just yeah. call it. I'm sure there's a kind of a, a general marker of health. We yeah. call it. We call it H. So so reading this particular paper, I was like unimpressed, and I thought, nah, this looks a bit. You, don't, you don't buy it. I wasn't buying it. And I, I got to say, I'm impressed that they controlled for things like smoking, heart oh, disease. I'm impressed. That's pretty easy. To, no, but they could have gotten much stronger results. If they didn't. Hmm. So that shows some degree of of rigor. 
attempted rigor. Yeah, the other issue with this is that flaccid rigor, erectile dysfunction, as it will always be, is self-reported. You, you can't, I mean, True. really do do a test on erectile functionality. That's well, I mean, I can't really picture it. Uh, so you can test for it. There are issues there to do with self. Image reporting. and re- self-reporting, and if one is perhaps more depressed or something. So then, look, there are other like now to play devil's advocate here. The way they populated their groups, people self-reported already, right? So they had their yes and nos at the very beginning of the study, Correct. and then they went looking for the dental stuff. Yes, and then they excluded all of the other problems, right? The smoking, whatever else. So if we're going to talk about self-reporting being a problem i think the biggest problem they had was probably people self-reporting smoking and it's very common for smokers to not report smoking Mm. and i know as a surgeon smoking is a huge issue for our patients in terms of healing and sort of the general health and all that kind of stuff It's, it's a huge problem and so we ask them all the time you know do you smoke um, and the number of people that tell us point blank they don't smoke, and you see them smoking <laughs> half an hour later outside yeah. the hospital, yeah. it's like it, it's 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 incredibly common. Yeah. So it's like when they have that box which says, you know, have, yeah. have you um, have you slept with any uh, you prostitutes know, prostitutes in today. Cambodia or Thailand or whatever? <laughs> yeah. And you always you go, no, no, obviously, <laughs> but you know, no. but you did, uh, yeah. So that's why. Why else would you go to Cambodia? That's right. Um, <laughs> that's sort of part of the she wanted the departure card. Business, pleasure, prostitutes. Well, we're going to get some letters of complaint for that for sure. Continue. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe. Um, but yeah, so that is a huge... Uh, so self-reporting of smoking is a huge problem. I think people probably don't realize how confounding these variables mm. can be, right? So well, so that's a huge problem. I think they acknowledge that also in their discussion that they were concerned about the self-reporting. Not this one. Not no, necessarily. No. no. Um, but th- so the the main issues with this was the fact that the general health as I was discussing, yeah. but also it's quite a small sample. It's only like 80 in each, mm-hmm. which to me, like uh, you can get some decent inferences done with less than 80 um, in each group. But mm. uh, it seems like, again, you'd want to have a bit of a larger sample size for this for mine. Um, the other strange thing about this is that they've kind of, do you want to talk at all but since this is the first episode um, and I think we'll be kind of throwing around a lot of terms that we are very comfortable with but mm. the idea is that I guess some of our listeners maybe have never read a paper at all and while we cover a lot of science in high school in this country I don't think we do stats particularly well mm. um, do you want to talk at all about sample size I mean it seems pretty intuitive to us but what that means and why it's important uh, well Essentially, uh, you, when you're taking a sample, you're trying to make an inference about a, a, a population effect. So here, the population effect would be the influence of um, peri- periodontitis on erectile mm. functionality, right? Yeah. So you take a sample to try to estimate that effect. Sure. And you'll get a, a sample statistic from your sample, right? So your your sample's mean effect, in this case, there might be you know an increase of 25% in terms of the... Um, well, the, the the group that had let's the let's break this down with, with ridiculous numbers, right? Let's say we're looking for an effect in a population, right? Right. If you pick two people, and one person, let's say one person has gingivitis yeah. in this context, right? You would say that fifty percent of your sample group had gingivitis. That sounds really impressive. It does sound. In, in reality, it was one person, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? So. 
so sample size, the number of people you, you ask or that you involve in your study makes a huge difference on how meaningful those numbers are, that percentage. That's right. And, right. The, and the more you have, the more robust your yeah, the more that means estimates are. If you have 2,000 people in your study and 1,000 have gingivitis, same it's percentage, look around 50%, 50%, but suddenly you're saying, well, this is looking a lot more robust. Um, That's right. Yeah. And also to give some context, I mean, you and I read lots of papers. People out there probably have no idea. Like, wh- what's a normal number of people that is actually enrolled in the study? Yeah. You know, 80 sounds like a lot of people to sit down and ask about their, their penis health and, and their gum disease. Yep. Um, but it's not, right? Uh, look, it, it can be enough. And they've obviously, they did some sample size calculations mm-hmm. before they to ran To work out this. how many they needed? Yeah, there's a thing called statistical power, yeah. which, you know, we're not going to do it. That we don't need to get into. It's got beyond that. But but there are calculations that they yeah. did to try to tease out this effect, right? And they thought 80 is enough in both groups. Mm-hmm. Um, to get you over the line, to get some data that means something. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, but, you know, for perspective, a lot of the papers that I would read, they can have five, 10,000 people well, involved in some of them. That right? might be a good segue for me to go on to the systematic review that sure. uh, was done on all of the papers. Because uh, as soon as I saw that paper, I was like, I'm unimpressed with this claim mm-hmm. about, um, you know, dental hygiene and yep. erectile functionality. So I, I was about to just, we're, we're talking about it. I'm like, I've got it. This is great. This yeah. is a great subject matter for this uh, podcast because we're going to s- go full bullshit on this uh, yeah. claim from the wellness and industry. And when in doubt, systematic reviews. That's right? right. So what's a systematic review? We, well, firstly, we love them. <laughs> Everybody should love them. <laughs> they <Yeah>. are. <laughs> so we talked just a few minutes ago about how. Um, the number of people involved in a an experiment can make a big uh, make a big difference in how meaningful the results are. Mm. Um, a lot of things can change how meaningful the results are in a study. So the number of people, the way you conduct the experiment, uh, who's involved in the experiment, who the people you choose are for the experiment, mm-hmm. all these things. Whether you're adjusting for various things like smoking or not, or not. Sure. Um, in one way. To um to kind of tease out the best possible results is to look at as many papers as possible who have roughly the same question. Yeah. So if ten people each ran an experiment looking at the same thing, what we can do is we can get combine and compare all of their data, and then we can use that as one mega experiment. Um, and so instead of having to deal with eighty here and fifty there and forty people there, suddenly you know we can have like you know a much greater powered experiment you can have suddenly a pay uh, an experiment with thousands of people where mm. we once had 50 or 80 mm. um and we can draw some much stronger conclusions from that and we can start to also eliminate some of the weaker studies um and trying to get the best data mm. right yeah that's right and so, I, so I, there's a bit of picking and choosing but in general they tend to be the gold standard to get real answers so whenever you see a systematic review especially if it's made by our friends over at the cochrane Institute. Mm. Um, uh, that's something you can be pretty, pretty confident with, right? That's that's my impression. That's my sort of my lazy heuristic for good data. It's just to go to the Cochrane database. Jez, thoughts on that? Uh, I agree. Okay. <laughs> you, can, you concur? I concur. Good. All right. So, so guys, let me give that's you, it. Let me Read give the you Cochrane database and just get out of here. Well, hold on. So th- this is this is uh, a systematic review yeah. on the association between periodontal disease and erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a review that was done in 2016, so quite recent. Um, Two years ago. Thank you. Yes, that's right. Um, For context. Yeah, they 
uh, apparently, let's have a look. Uh, the, study, the initial search, 80 articles were identified. So there were 80 articles invest investigating this particular, well, mm -hmm. the general gist of this relationship, right? Yeah. Um, and I think they ended up including only nine, I believe. Um, but the, the main gripe they had with lots of the studies were that they didn't account for things like smoking, mm. which for me is a something huge problem. Yeah, like if you're, if you're including people that smoke in this study, you're saying, you know, we, we know that smoking is going to affect both of those two things negatively. So, mm -hmm. especially long-term smoking. So. Sure. Or, or any other sort of um, general cause of bad health, right? Smoking being probably the greatest variable in health, I think, right now in the, uh, in the population at large. Um, so, let me, let me just read you all the, so the confounding factors. So, mm -hmm. so, confounding, another way of saying, thinking about confounding are those factors we're adjusting for, like smoking, that yeah. kind of thing. But if you don't adjust for them or re remove observations of people that smoke, for example. Yes, yeah, so these are factors that can taint our data. That's right. Yeah. yeah. In, in a very simple sense. So, it says in seven <laughs> of very the... Very simple man. In the seven studies, in seven studies, data were adjusted for factors such as systemic diseases, like poorly controlled... DM? I don't know what DM is. Diabetes Di mellitus. So, diabetes. The old uh, diabetes. High blood pressure, cardiovascular diseases. So, they're, they're adjusting for those things. Yeah. Alcohol and tobacco consumption were adjusted in three studies only. Um, yeah. No, these are all linked, right? So, diabetes, smoking, mm. um, cardiovascular health. These are all intrinsically linked. You know, smoking is linked highly to both of those and to erectile dysfunction. So these are really hard to tease out one by one. You kind of have to tease them all out as a group mm. because so they're really all markers of just bad health. That's right. And this was my gripe with the whole deal. Um, it says here the most common shortcoming among all studies was the short-term incomplete follow-up of the groups. That's always a problem, right? Follow-up. Yeah. It's one thing to start a, a big experiment, especially one that takes place over years. Yeah. Because um, it can take years to tease out some of these results, right? Yeah. Um, but if someone never comes back and you don't know what happened, you lose someone, you lose, uh, you lose a lot of uh, power for your data. Mm. And it also says an emission of confounding variables like smoking. So, so look, there's still an issue with all this stuff, mm. with the connection between dental health and yeah. erectile dysfunction. For, for mine, like reading this, even though this is a systematic review that started with 80 studies that looked at it, whittled it down to nine, and it seems like in, con in the conclusion... Which shows you how many studies suck. Yeah, right. That's another way of putting it. So or, these guys, their job is to go through studies with a fine-tooth comb and get rid of the shitty ones that might make the final outcome data useless. Hmm. And out of 80 papers, they were left with nine. To be fair, it might just be that they were looking for specific methods. True. Sometimes they're cutting if they're looking for a specific age group, they might get rid of, you know... 50 papers that were looking at people over 50 or something, right? Yeah. Well, that's a common reason to get rid of stuff for simple variables. So I take it back. It doesn't mean they're shitty. It just means they weren't answering the question properly. Well, they were... I mean, you, you'd heard, you heard me reciting some of the paper. They were yeah. whinging that a lot of them were shitty. But uh, the conclusion... I'll read you this. Yep. Um, from the literature review, there seems to be a positive association between ED, erectile dysfunction, and mm -hmm. CP, uh, yeah. chronic period... Yeah, right? we use lots of abbreviations in medicine like that. Yeah. yeah. And they're often very similar or the same. But but notice the words they use there. And this mm -hmm. is where terminology, scientific terminology, gets misrepresented all the time. Mm -hmm. A positive association yeah. between these two things. All that means... Well, uh, what does that mean? What it means to me is that 
there's a connection between the two, but we don't know what it is. And in particular, it's not insinuating necessarily that one's causative exactly. of the other, right? Yeah. We know so, that they go hand in hand yep. in some people, but we don't know how. In fact, for all we know from that, the erectile dysfunction could be causing the periodontitis. Yeah, and, and in right? fact, that first study that I mentioned yeah. actually had it that way around. I didn't mention this because we didn't get to it, but yeah. um, with those 80 patients that were... Um, erectile dysfunctional patients and erectile non-dysfunctional patients or erectile functional maybe (laughs) (laughs) Um, they were using that as as essentially the exposure and looking at the outcome yeah so but but an association does not imply causation and you've heard that in general parlance right like correlation is not causation yeah but that's what that means so what we know right now from all this data is that there's no more evidence to tell you to floss your teeth to get an erection than there is to tell you to treat your erections to have better oral hygiene. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. Right. So it could be the totally... So right now, there's probably like some sort of a mirror podcast where another guy who's like a, a penile health expert is telling you <laughs> <laughs> to treat your erectile dysfunction <laughs> and one of the benefits will actually be improved oral hygiene. <laughs> Great. Right? <laughs> and he's like, I'm telling you guys, if you get if you can get your Johnson up, you'll have better teeth. <laughs> and someone else is going, that makes no sense. <laughs> well, there's a positive association between it's the positive, two. Positive, they found it. Now, now I, I might be underplaying the degree yeah. to which this supports the rela- the, the the true causative yeah. nature because it uh, yeah. says here, um, sure, it says further well-designed controlled clinical trials are needed in this regard. Yeah. It's emphasized that pa- that's a common cop out at the end of systematic reviews, isn't it? Yeah. They always say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They always want better data. It's emphasized that physicians should refer patients with erectile dysfunction to oral health care providers for a comprehensive oral e- evaluation and treatment. Mm-hmm. So I don't quite understand that conclusion. On one, ha- on one hand, it says there's a positive association. It doesn't really mention a causative one. Mm. And then it says if you've got erectile dysfunction, we recommend well, you get it's sent a to pretty, it. It's, it's, a pre- it's a pretty easy recommendation to make because there's no downside, right? Of course. Yeah. And this is sure this ha- have better teeth. Not only is it good for your penis, it's, it's also good, good for, for your teeth. teeth. <laughs> and and th- this is where the the instruction about flossing one's teeth yeah. needs only to look at oral hygiene and dental health as a marker. Yeah, yeah, to get its incentives, right? Mm. I totally agree. Like, w- I mean, I, I guess, I guess when you're talking to males, their sexual health and their erectile functionality is something that would, I'm sure get people's uh attention on things right so yeah. so i don't blame people for, for trying to it would tie these links to an eyebrow yeah but i guess i just want to take a step back from this insinuation that this is a definite effect i'm, I'm still not 100 percent satisfied okay. I, I'm, I'm open to the possibility that it's true this is a fact yeah this could happen but but it's important to be aware of that that up until now we have nothing that tells us the direction of that of that relationship. Right. Or if right. there is this an intervening variable like general health affecting the two. In particular, smoking, which we still don't have satisfactory control for, right? We it's haven't not, ruled yeah. out that smoking, which is probably the... And smoking, we know the highest, the biggest risk factor for dental disease is probably smoking. And I think the biggest risk factor for erectile dysfunction is also smoking. So we do know there's this third variable, right? Mm-hmm. Floating out there, 
that can cause both that hasn't been controlled for very well by these studies at large and it seems to be the likely culprit with that or something similar um no let me ask you a question though so we've spoken about causation yep sort of direction of um of if influence yep um we've talked about controlling for variables the black art of just magically saying we've controlled, <laughs> we've eliminated these as being problems. Yeah. Right. That's, that always gets me. You read a paper and, and it's like, now we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. That's right. We've controlled don't, for, don't worry about it. We did all this stuff. We've controlled you for can't age. see the data and you can't see exactly yeah. what we did, yeah. but we've controlled for it. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, and that's often all they'll say. We've controlled for age. Yeah. <laughs> we've controlled for gender. No longer relevant. Yeah. Uh, what did you do? Did you just, Multiply one by three or something? <laughs> like, yeah. How did you just make that go away? <laughs> um, what? That's pretty complicated stuff that even I don't understand. Um, having done lots of, read many and been involved in many papers. Can you well, tell I, me though? I can give you a quick rundown on how, of how that would work generally. If you uh, want to. Okay. G- g- give me a quick rundown. Give me, give me the 80s version of how you would control for that. Okay. Well, if, you're, if our listeners are comfortable with the idea of an equation that goes Y equals, say, mx plus b you remember that from high school y equals mx is that plus the quadratic b? that's a quadratic well no that's no, not a no. quadratic but it's just a linear equation sure. right where your y variable yeah is the variable we're interested in so in this case it would be erectile functionality and your x variable would be your variable of uh of the the variable that we think is affecting y right it's called the independent variable or and also we can call them the abscissa and the ordinate don't make things even more complicated. <laughs> Am I right, though? I've not heard of that in my life. Obsessive? I read it today for the first time. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> good. So y, so y is a function of x. When we say that, we mean we set yeah. an equation where it's y equals an x term, mm-hmm. right? And now you could put... You're losing us, I get. No, no, no. So all you need to do is when you're making these models, yeah. put in extra x variables such as age, such as sex, such as uh, smoking, mm-hmm. yes or no. And when you put those variables in, that's adjusting. All of a sudden, you're adjusting for those variables when you then look at the effect of that first x variable on y, right? So it's no, no longer just y equals a function of x. Mm-hmm. It's y equals a function of x, say, z, and another variable, right? Sure. So that's it. That's all you do. You just I don't throw, buy it. All you do is you throw extra variables into... a. Reg- it's called a regression model. Mm-hmm. And like magic it will tease out the individual effects of all of those X variables. Sure. Now, let's talk about other ways of controlling... That's a very basic way. There are other ways, yeah. It's not very basic, but I gotcha. Um, I'm I'm talking to a man who uh, has a book on his coffee table called Doing Bayesian Data Analysis. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this man is the goods, people. Okay, so um, in terms of the design of the study, right... We don't need to get too much today into study design, but one thing that all these papers had in common, right, is that they're looking backwards, right? What do you mean? Well, they're what we call retrospective analyses. Yeah, right? sure. Which means that the experimenters weren't really what you think. When you think of guys in white coats running experiments on people like Bill Murray and Ghostbusters, right? Mm. Um these are people who are sitting in a room with computers looking back at old data. Yep. Right? Administrative so, data that they've yeah. just stolen so, from hospitals. Yeah, exactly. So they were looking at just... From the My Health no. records that no one signed, <laughs> that everyone's opted out of. 
idiots. Um, so they couldn't control anything, right? So when you're looking back at old data, you don't have much power to control the outcomes. And the, a big problem with looking back at data like that, collecting old information, um, where you're just collecting two bits of info from one patient. Do you have erectile dysfunction? And yes or no, do you have um, good teeth, mm. right? It's impossible to work out which one came first because they're both in the past. Um, but one way, if we were trying to work out, and besides your fancy stats ways of controlling for variables, mm. one way to find out if something causes something else, to work out the order, is to have control over that variable and to introduce it or to remove it, right? So these studies look to the future. And so these are more your classic experiments where you might have like, you know, a proper scientist out there adding chemicals to a beaker or whatever it is. You know, you actually have control over where the outcomes are. Yep. So one way, um, if you can improve someone's oral health while keeping everything else in their life static, so they didn't change, they kept on smoking or they kept on not smoking or they kept having heart disease or kept on not having heart disease, but you control just that one thing in their life, which is their gingivitis, their periodontal health, and then you can measure whether that changed their stiffies or not. Mm. That is one way you could tease out whether or not it is in fact the mouth that's affecting the penis, right? I'm glad you've suggested that <laughs> because there Some is... Some people would always say that the mouth can... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a few RCTs, randomized controlled trials that yeah, were included right. in this um, systematic review. And so that's all fancy lingo, but that means a exactly randomized controlled trial is what I was just saying. Exactly. A scientist controls one thing. He introduces something into someone or takes it away and then he measures what difference that makes in their life. Correct. That's right. It's right? a prospective study as opposed to, as you were calling it, retrospective, yeah. right? Um, Look into the future. Now, I've, I've, I have opened one up here. This one's called Exploration of the Association Between Chronic Periodontal, periodontal Disease and Erectile Dysfunction. God. Um, from a population-based viewpoint. And it says here that dental extraction seems to attenuate damage to the penile endothelial beds caused by CPD, chronic periodontal dental disease related inflammation and overcame the process of ED in middle age and older populations. So is this mm -hmm. an example of what you were trying to say? Yeah, Where I think so. So here what they've done is they've found one way of making the change in mouth health, right? Yeah. If you have chronic infections in your mouth and you pull out the tooth that's causing it, hopefully you improve the, the mouth health. Mm. And then you can see if that does or does not have a change on someone's erectile dysfunction. And it sounds as though, I haven't read their data, but they suggest that it did have a good influence, right? It improved erectile dysfunction. Yeah. So this would be, if this is, if this is a good paper, this might be evidence that suggests that, um, yeah, that chronic periodontal disease can improve erectile dysfunction. So, that's interesting. So, I don't know. We've covered a lot of things here. Um, a, a lot of um, research lingo and, and types of research and way of structuring papers. Um, but I guess we just want to open things up by talking about how there's a lot more than meets the eye yeah. to some of these claims. And you, you can read a news.com headline that says that, yeah. you know, that whatever, drinking milk with turmeric 
makes rashes on your fucking Nuts. anus go away. Like, and, and you can read that stuff and yeah. it can, you know... Um, sound can, great. Well, it can sound great. And it can, can concord with your... Uh, all kind of confirmation biases you might have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a whole lot of complicated science that's gone on behind the scenes yeah. and, and, and may have may have happened in a way that was not necessarily um, robust. Yeah. And so you never know. The, but the language chosen to report these facts is often very deliberately chosen to confuse what the actual outcome was. Yeah. So especially this, uh, this idea of correlation, causation, um, association. Uh, these are very tricky words. They're yeah. meant to catch you out. So it's important to kind of tease them out and do a little bit of research and find out what they mean and what, what direction this, uh, this association has. Um, I don't I think I'm not super uh, up until the last paper. I wasn't super convinced. Um, and I, I still think that this is not an issue situation of, of cause and effect. Hmm. This is one of sort of common association. Um, but that last paper was certainly a little bit more interesting and gave a bit more bolster that, that idea a bit more that flossing can, could potentially improve your, hmm. your erectile. So I, I think, I think I'm in the, I think I'm in the same camp as you, which is, uh, we need a rating system. We need some kind Ooh, of like, yeah. you know, <laughs> how many irons? We should say, we should finish up the, uh, the podcast by saying either this myth is busted or... We ex- <laughs> plausible. Like, plausible. 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 Yeah. Um, plausible, but <clears throat> requires <laughs> better structured research. Now, am I Jamie or the other guy? What do you reckon? Am I, the, uh, I feel like I'm the dude with the hat. Even though I'm the one that wears the hat all the time? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're the dude no. with the glasses and I'm the dude with the hat. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be Adam Savage. You can be Jamie Heineman. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Bad boy. Mm-hmm. Um, Big fan. Um... But yeah, so I think I, I I would definitely call this plausible. Yeah. Um, without the level of um, hyperventative fervor that has followed a lot of the statements yeah. behind this. I think, the, but at the same online. time, let's, but not, let's not kind of lose sight of the forest through the trees here. Um, floss because it's good for your teeth. That's right? the message. That's the take-home message. You got it. Think, I don't even need to do a lit review <laughs> to, to see if that one's true. Yeah. Just do it for that reason. And yeah, it might just be good for you all around. Yeah. Um, that's the only reason you need. This is just a... I think this is all dumb research, <laughs> frankly. Also, maybe an, another moral of the story is smoke heaps because it fucks with people's research. Oh, big time. Stick it to them. Stick it to people by smoking because it, fuck it, it fucks with research just about as much as it fucks with your body. <laughs> <laughs> so stick it to the man the same way you stick it to your body no pain no gain <laughs> commit all right i think that's us for uh for this week so uh for next week yeah. uh we w- you suggested something which i'm going to take you up on yeah um for a little uh spurious adventure adventures in spuriosity mm-hmm. uh, that's a word i invented but yeah we haven't got a, a name for this segment yet but i think we're going to try and have a bunch of long running segments that we do um this one uh like my, my impression is when i hear a lot of these outrageous claims that i hear from friends and on the street and on the daily mail which i can't stop reading um there seems to be some claims about things that just don't make any sense to me at all and, and what they seem to do um but people seem to back it up with research 
research that we'll talk about throughout this series is probably pretty shitty research. Yep. So I had an idea, which is, can we just start with the claim and then do the research, try and find the papers that support it? And one of the problems with stats and research is a lot of people do really, really bad research, and they use really fancy stats to to wipe it all away and make it look like it's not important. I feel um, like that's going to be my job. Yep. And so what we're going to do is we're going to leverage all the shitty research out there and all the wonderful stats work that's gone on to obscure the data and see if we can kind of start um, put the horse, horse before the egg. egg. Wait, no, I think I'm mixing them no, up. We're gonna <laughs> I don't think there's an egg involved. No, we're going to put the cart before the horse. Uh, cart before the apple. Anyway. Wait a minute. Wait, just we're going to randomize. Why, can't, why couldn't a horse push a cart? We just just tell them what we're going to do. We're going to randomize a, a body part, or what's the objective? Yeah, so I think we're going to do is we're going to just pick a variable, and you know, a variable is just the thing that you control, the thing that we're going to call the treatment, yep. and we're going to pick the, the health outcome, mm-hmm. and just randomly make up a stupid claim that something does something, yep. and then we're going to see if we can find the data that supports it. Okay. Um, because I think that's what happens a lot of the time. <laughs> and uh, I think we're trying to show exactly how easy or hard that is. Okay. Uh, can I, I think it's going to be pretty easy. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you for the first one. Do you mind? Okay. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, I'll just come up with two things off the top two of my things. head. Yeah. I think eventually we'll come up with like a, like a random... A randomizer? Like a random like health claim generator. Right. Um, well, how about this? Red meat? Yeah. Color blindness. Okay. You're saying red meat causes or improves? Causes. Oh. Okay. You just made those up. I did. In retrospect, that's not a great one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds pretty plausible, right? But co- color blindness is not something that develops, is it? Um, well, people can lose. Surely they can lose some cone activity. Or rod activity. Rods and cones are the <laughs> photoreceptors in the eye. One one gives you color. One gives you black <laughs> and white. I forget which one's which. Do it. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're charged with the irrespective of how ridiculous it is. Yeah. That's the point. That's the point, right? You, you, you just made it up. Yep. And red we're just going to see. A diet involving more red meat mm-hmm. makes you colorblind. Okay. Challenge accepted. See you next week. All right. See you guys.